0: I really love his backstory. Dai is a TEDx speaker, and I will link in the show notes to his TEDx talk. He's an author and a coach, but it's really what his wife said to him one day as he speaks about it in his TEDx that gets that really made me think. Dai is someone who will tell you a little bit about his story, but he struggled some with addictions, maybe to food, later on to substances, but one day his wife said to him, die? Are you being the type of man you'd want your daughters to marry? And that just was so powerful to him. And frankly, as I listened to him talk about it to me as well, that is exactly what women are hoping for is to meet the man that they would want their maybe future daughters to marry. And so those powerful words really got his attention and Di, I'd love for you to tell us what you did with that, you know, a little bit about your backstory and then that moment that kind of changed everything. And what, what a lovely woman it is, a <laughs> wonderful woman who can say the, her, the thing that might cut you to the bone, but that was meant for your in your best interest for your whole family. So thanks so much for being here and tell us about how those words transformed your life and then
1: your work. Wow. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for just creating a space for these types of conversations to happen. It's my pleasure. It's, it's awesome. And I'm honored to be here. This is, this is exciting. And it's, uh, thank you. I just want to say. I
0: have looked forward to it and I'm really honored to have you.
1: (laughs) Well, let's see where to begin. Well, once upon a time, no, I, (laughs) you know, when I, I (laughs) when I think back on it, like there was a whole culmination of things that happened to get to that fateful morning where my wife sure. sat me down and we had a conversation, a, a very serious conversation. You know, we were actually entertaining. Well, we, we were talking through what life will look like when we're living in separate homes. Wow. Her taking my daughters, both under the age of six at the time, because to be honest, I, and I, I think this was the, the, the hardest fact that, that I wasn't able to really convey, but, I couldn't defend myself because I had nothing to defend, Elizabeth like nothing like, there were, like she was right. I was not providing a healthy space to raise our daughters, you know, and uh, it's hard, you know, as a dad, as a husband, sure. as a man. You know, like I grew up believing that, you know, if you're a man, you're a provider, you're the hunter. You know, like you got to look after your family. I mean, that was role modeled to me by a lot of the men in my life. Now, maybe to an extreme, maybe not a healthy extreme, <laughs> right. uh, but, but that's what was modeled to me. You know, so the, the cliche was alive and well, at least in, in, in myself, you know, as far as what I believed a man was and, and how he should act and how he should be. And that term vulnerability was not something that was thought of fondly. No, in, in fact, it was a negative. You know, like if you were seen as vulnerable, you were seen as weak. Right. You know? And that means people will take advantage of you. You know, people will judge you. Like just a lot of negative connotations to it. And so, you know, to move back a little bit, you know, as a child uh, between the ages of nine and 14, I learned early on how to console my emotions or at least distract myself from acknowledging those feelings that I was having and working through as a prepubescent male into my you know early teen years as puberty started to kick in and, you know, things only heightened, became more unbearable, if you will. But I, I learned to distract myself with food, you know, and uh, I would eat and eat and eat and play video games and watch movies. So looking for instant dopamine hits, uh, it just ways to distract myself right. from a lot of the overwhelm I was feeling and anxiety. And uh, you can imagine you, you live a lifestyle like that year after year after year we, we know it doesn't usually lead to good things. And it got to a point where I was morbidly obese, very large kid at 14 years old, you know, and all the cliches and the negative stereotypes that are attached to that state of unhealth. Oh, believe me, they were alive and well in me at that time. And the
0: bullying at school, oh, probably all huh? of that.
1: You know, what's crazy is, you know, kids can be mean, but teenagers, they can be cruel. Right. And. and uh, yeah, I've experienced that, you know, and I even remember like phys ed class in grade eight and nine, you know, and and I was the guy that would always come with excuses or a, a note because I just didn't want to get changed in front of my peers. Right. I did not want to have to endure that, nor have to be the last pick again for whatever pickup sport we're playing, you know, just right. all those things. And just so I learned really early on how to sort of apply excuses to sort of shield myself from putting myself in a place where, yeah, I, I could be the butt of a joke, you know. Right. And uh, so that was life, and and then it got really hard, and and only felt like it was getting harder. And and I got to a point where, and this is sort of stemming off into to, to the ne- the conversation, and getting and sorry, it's a roundabout way of answering your question, but I feel it's necessary to give some context. But sure, you, you know, I. I had a very scary moment where I I realized I was more afraid of not changing than I was of the idea of changing. (laughs) You know, like I was more afraid of, uh uh-oh, what if I just stay as I am right now and keep living like this? Do I actually think things are going to get better? You know, and the naive me, of course, tries to reconcile that under that idea and tries to, you know, prep myself and saying, yeah, you know, as Buddha says, this too shall pass, right? Like right. You know, as much as me wishing that things are only gonna get better, I realized that it wasn't gonna get better without me doing something different. Right. And that idea of different of change was also intimidating. It is, right? A lot of us get scared for change. Why? I mean, you're you're prepping for a move, right? Like that's uh that's a big change, you know. It's 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 one of the biggest that we we endured. Also the kids leaving our homes, you know, it's another big right. change. Getting married, big change. Like we have lots of change in our lives. Some of it we charge through as champions of change. And then there's some things where we might feel like we're a victim of change or we don't, you know, we have to sort of welcome, un- well, uh, welcome the change that sort of props itself into our door and forces us to make a, a, a shift, not always something that we want. And, and so here I was and I, I just decided I, I, I need to make some changes because I do not want to be like this anymore. And I know by the time I'm 18, 14 now, these next four years, it's not going to get better. It's right. probably going to get harder. And so I made some changes. I, I really did. I went to the library, got books out. I educated myself on fitness and on nutrition because I had all these questions and no answers. So right. self-education. Right. And, and then I just Fantastic. Started moving, moving my body. Yep. All right. And I started to eat differently. 20 months. All right. It's not like, oh, yeah, in 30 days, I lost all this. weight. No, 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 no. It, it was it was 20 months. OK, well, over a year and a half of just trusting that if I do the right things every day, that the right results will ensue. And, and it did, you know, everything changed. And I like to share this story first because it really taught me a valuable lesson early on. It, it taught me that change is possible. And often we can be the ones that influence some of the greatest changes that we'll ever experience in our life. And it starts with us making a right. decision just to do something different than we've been doing before. And this is really valuable because as I went into my twenties and my early thirties, you see, I, I sort of replaced food with alcohol. Oh, I didn't learn to really deal with a lot of the anxiety, some of the stress, some of the overwhelm that I was managing in my life or more appropriately mismanaging. <laughs> right. And I, I had, a, I was challenged trying to connect with people you know, I had a sort of a social awkwardness. I'm naturally introverted. You know, I work as an extrovert by choice, but it takes a lot out of me. Um, But I want to help people. And I know to help people, I got to put myself out there. And so, you know, trying to reconcile all these different feelings and ideas and concepts and just way of being is it's always a challenge. I mean, come on, we're all living dynamic lives. We're, We're put in situations that help us grow. But you know, when we're going through it, it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> it's not usually we get it right. on the other side. It, and so I learned to deal with some of the, these things with alcohol. I was just it. At the end of the day, it became a real easy habit, you know, just every day. Like, it, it was me distracting some of the overwhelm and the anxiety and just a distraction. It was like turning on the TV, you know, just I can zone out and not focus on my life right now. Right until I had to start focusing on my life again, which brought us to that fateful morning because I I was not in a healthy way. You know, I I really wasn't. And and I was affecting my relationship with my wife, with my kids. You know, Uh, they don't have much recollection of this, of course. Now, you know, being under the age of six, but it's been an interesting process sort of sharing with them some of those changes that I I went through 11 Mm -hmm. years ago. And uh, it stemmed from that singular question that Christy asked, you know, am I being the type of man that I'd want my daughters to marry? And to be perfectly honest with you, Elizabeth, I, I couldn't say yes to her. And that was right. that moment where all of a sudden I realized, oh, my gosh, who am I trying to kid anymore? Right. You know, like psychologists call this cognitive dissonance, right? This sort of inability to, to reconcile the person that we believe we want to become or act as. And then we constantly show up as something different. And it's this sort of integrity gap that we have within us. And I know mine felt like a chasm, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. I need evil here to make this clear, you know, like to get over this. And, and, and so it was, it was very uh, a humbling experience, but I, I recognized I, I alcohol was not serving me anymore. So I made a commitment to myself, to my family, that I'd go one year without drinking well, that morning know. that she asked me that question. That was, that was a commitment. So we, you know, we, we and they could see it in my eyes you know it was like and I can envision it. it was probably how I looked to my parents when I was 14 morbidly obese coming out of the bathroom after you know a, an ugly cry session and saying to my dad I want to get healthy I don't want to be right. like this anymore and and I feel that this is probably very much similar to that what, what what my wife and I experienced in that moment was me coming to that point where I was like you know I can't be like this anymore I want to make some changes and 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 that's when the work got started you know like I had to to just create a space where I would just not rely on that as my escape any longer. And and I, I have to be honest, so anybody that's listening and watching this, it, it was really, really hard. Did hard. you do it alone? Did you well, ask for help? I tried at first. Right. Okay. Me as a guy, I, I'm like, I don't want to share this <laughs> with other people. And and I, I should <laughs> say it, because I know it sounds like I'm generalizing, but listen, I, I facilitate a lot of men's groups and uh, I, I see these types of conversations regularly. Right. I, I, I feel pretty confident I can generalize because I hear it more than I don't hear it <laughs> where, you know, it's these idealized versions of what we believe a man is. And, and we hyperbolize it a lot of the time. Right. We, we take what we hear or, or believe and we, we, we just try to do it times 10. You know, like and for me, it was like showing any vulnerability to anybody to ask for help. No way, because right. then I have to admit I'm less than I am and and this is just what was going on in my mind. Now, I know there's people probably this says, "Well, man, that's silly way to look at it." And I'm like, "Maybe. That's just how I looked at it." You know, like right. that was just my reality in that moment. And and I realized within about 3 weeks that I needed help. I needed support because okay. I didn't have the 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 tools, the resources, the the ability to be quite honest because I wasn't right. sure what to do. You know, it was going to be the first time in my life I wasn't relying on some external source to distract myself. Now is going to have to look inward. And that is not a fun place at times. You know, Uh, (laughs) I'm just dealing with a lot of overwhelm and all that. And uh, I feel like I've been talking really long here. My my apologies, Elizabeth. But uh, I, I got to this point and I just I found a great psychologist. I worked with him okay. for four or five months. I also found a. a we started with a relationships counselor because we recognized okay. that we had some communication stuff to work through. And after two sessions, my wife and I decided, along with the the therapist, it was like, you know, I think it's probably better if Dad just comes here by himself. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I, I continued on with her, and uh, that was a, four or five months. And 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 at the same time, I started really focusing on on my own self care rituals and habits, and and specifically mental health, and okay. just having to reconcile a lot of the things that i believe to be true that i knew by believing that i was living a life less of what i my potential was do you know what i mean okay. does, does that make sense <laughs> like it's sure i think we all have that sort of limiting kind of belief system at times that holds us back right it's our, we get in our own way i don't know like can you elizabeth we shared a bit of a conversation beforehand before you hit record and uh I know you were talking about some of the conversations that that you've had with other women, especially around creating space for men. I wonder if you want to bring that up, because I think that's very relevant to what we're speaking about here.
0: Sure. And I loved my past work, uh, and it was a good while ago, but with domestic violence victims. You know, Mm -hmm. first I went to abuse recovery groups. And later on, after getting my degree, I, I went to work for abuse victims, but we talk, would talk sometimes in our group support about a person who is now single wanting to have a healthy relationship, mm-hmm. but also being very attracted to the male stereotype of a man is in charge and the man is the provider. The man speaks for you. The man provides for you. You are vulnerable. The relationship is unequal. And I it, it's not because she wasn't intelligent or wasn't amazing in her own right. It's just that we've been raised sometimes to keep ourselves in the boxes that we were first placed in (laughs) as genders, as people, even cultures. There are times where we have to break out of what the expectation is to show our authentic self. But also it may mean we have to recalibrate and really think about what we're attracted to and who we allow in our space. And what are the qualities that really matter versus the ones we've been taught by fairy tales and things like that, that should matter. And so I really uh, commend you for talking about things like getting help as a man. It's hard for women. Women still find it difficult to go to, let's say, hypothetically, a group, especially if you're a woman who has an education. I used to see people apologize for coming to our group saying, well, I have a degree. I have a master's degree. I have... And like, well, that actually that's lovely. It means nothing <laughs> because we're all human, but uh, good for you. Yeah. Uh, it, but it's very hard for us to reconcile the fact that mm-hmm. we might need some help. And I do think I applaud your ability to get individual help and you know, couples counseling and then it turned into individual support. But I think also in addition, I hope people embrace group support, peer support, because no one can call you out on behaviors quite like your peers who were like, you are giving that a positive spin. And I don't think you're being honest. So did you ever have that experience?
1: I I think it was also myself calling myself out uh, because I realized pretty early on that my sphere of influence and the people that I was spending the most time with at that time, well- When I made the commitment for that one year without drinking, I realized that, you know, as I said in the TEDx talk, my my phone stopped ringing. (laughs) I I wasn't getting the invitations like I used to because, you know, I had a reputation of fun guy die. And if I went out with people, it was always a fun time. But, you know, the, the conversations are always very surface as you can imagine right. in that kind of an environment with people drinking like that. It's just, it is, it's just very service. You're not going to have an in-depth conversation and really get to know somebody typically, you know, like maybe for the first drink, maybe for the second, but you know, once you get past that, forget about it, right? It's done. And you I, wouldn't remember it anyway. So. No, and that's, that's exactly <laughs> the point. Right. And, and so here I am and I, I've decided, I've, I've said, I'm going to go a year, no drinking. I just, I need to work on me. I recognize that and, and no more professional development i'd spend a decade my entire 20s working on myself to grow professionally that that whole idea of personal development or, or self-development <laughs> i always sort of thought if i grow professionally keep chasing the title <laughs>
0: right
1: the accolades everything else will just work out you know look i'm married i got a couple vehicles we got a house I got a couple beautiful kids you know i got a business that's doing well like i made it right. this is what i wanted right and and the craziest thing was, the more I felt that I made it, and, you know, from the outside perspective of the other people I was looking to get accolades from or recognition from, they all had this perception, that, wow, I made it. But I was so dissatisfied within, so unfulfilled. And the more I kept chasing this illusion of what I believed I was meant to be chasing, you know, because that's what role is role model to me. And when I'm hanging out with the guys, we're going out and playing golf and, Chatting, drinking, and get to the 19th green, you know, we're all talking about the next vehicle we want to do, the next trip, or the next conquest, you know. Like it was just weird, right? Because all of a sudden I just felt so disconnected from my own life. I'm like, what the heck have I been doing? You know, and and but I needed to remove all those external distractions and the things that would provide me the escape to really become fully aware of how I was feeling in that moment. And that was what was most intimidating. And I think that's also why I needed some support because the, my friends or who I believed were my friends. When I tried to to convey that in, in somewhat of a conversation, it, it was just, it, it wasn't going anywhere. You know, they didn't know how to support me and and that's okay. You know what? Cause I, I really didn't know what I was looking for from support either, to be honest. And, right. and, and but I just realized that I, I, we couldn't, they couldn't provide me what I needed. And nor could I provide them any longer what they were looking for. And, right. and so that, that was pretty scary, you know, because as a man uh, already, I, I, I was pretty limited in how many friends I had already. I had lots of acquaintances. Right. And I think men in general, they, they might be used to this. I, I share a statistic in the TEDx talk. Movember Project did a, a, a very deep uh, survey of, of men uh, of different age groups adult men and they asked them, you know how many men outside of their immediate family would they be willing to share tough conversations like worries about money health relationships like really just having an open honest and you know people might say this is a very vulnerable conversation like we're sharing something that quite frankly someone could use against us they could take advantage of us we're opening up we're connecting, right. creating an opportunity to connection. And yeah, it's pretty damn scary. But when they asked this and they surveyed men, of all the responses that they got, over 50% said they had less than two people in their life that they feel that like they could have those kind of conversations with. Two male and, friends. Wow. Two male friends. Now, as they age, that number became less and less. To the tune where one in eight said zero. Oh my like, goodness. Like, Whoa, right? Whoa, I, that I was is a, tragic. Was, that is sad. It's wild. And, and and so then you wonder, like, well, that means we're left to our own vices a lot of the time. And we sort of just go through the motion. And so I was like, I, I can't just keep going through the motions because look what it's got me so far. Just a lot of unfulfillment, disconnection with my family. I'm not living into whoever I believed. I honestly thought I was going to be by this point in my life. You know, at 33 years old, i this bit of a, I don't know if I'd call it a mid-midlife crisis, but it sort of felt that way. I, I did. I, I felt somewhat lost, you know, and and yet I just wanted to reconnect with me and and, and that sense of of fulfillment that I think we're all looking for, you know. And uh, right. so that's how it sort of began. You know, it started with a question, but I to be perfectly transparent, it was building. You know, it's not like all of a sudden I woke up, my wife asked me a question, I was like, okay. I'm going to do a full 180. It, it, it was definitely something that was in me already. Like there was that inkling there, you know, I'd be out with the guys watching UFC on a Friday night, you know, mm-hmm. number of pitchers in and something didn't feel right, but I was pretty good at just pushing that feeling to the side, you know, right. just keep doing it until you just can't, you just can't ignore it anymore. You know? And uh, so that was sort of a roundabout way. And, and I, I got to say, Community. Uh, just to your point, Elizabeth, what you just shared, so spot on. Good. So spot on. It, you know, finding a new community of people that could just provide me a healthier version and healthier tools to to just manage some of the overwhelm that was in my life at the time. Um, those habits still have carried me to today. You know, eleven years later, I'm still practicing those habits, and they still continue to serve me. You know.
0: It's so terrific that y- you rebuild quickly a community because when you have the absence of something, I mean, you decided mm-hmm. you made a choice to have the absence of alcohol, something that anesthetized you and helped you yep. really enjoy and tune out parts of your stressful life at you know mm-hmm. parts of your life, but you also didn't bargain for that you would lose community, mm-hmm. uh, people who. Thought, what happened to our friend? You know, where's he gone? And never mind, we'll find someone else. He's no fun anymore. <laughs> and so, you don't necessarily, as you're making big changes, calculate all the unintended consequences that'll be coming your way. But when you did, it's very important to get into a community that supports your new goal of health and being that person that you want to be, as opposed to being the person that can't remember the conversation they had at the last UFC fight. (laughs) So good for you. So I love that you have embraced getting support for yourself, and it has had a trickle effect on your family and and your community. But what would you tell a man, what would you tell a person, but you work with men, what would you tell a man who is not comfortable with his own habits. Maybe he has addiction or issues of obesity or whatever it is that, that he feels like he's not bringing his best self to the world. What, what would be the first steps for him to embrace a different way?
1: Well, thank you. That's a great question, Elizabeth. And and I think, first of all, I would want to acknowledge him and say, hey, I get you. I totally understand what you're saying. And hey, you're not alone. Right. Like I I think that's always a nice place to begin because I I I find that and especially with the men that I tend to meet uh, at the various men's groups that I'm uh, I'm a part of, we'll see somebody share something for the very first time that they something they've never told anybody specifically never to another man, out of fear that what they're going to share might be misunderstood, misinterpreted, judged, maybe used against them later. You know, there's we have a lot of fears around being vulnerable or just really being open. And sure. sharing what's alive and real for us. And and so my my I would commend him for just being s- and self-aware enough to recognize that, you know what? Maybe there's a different way of doing things that can be better for me. Help me feel more connected to my own life and my own life's vision and purpose and the people that are around me. And, and so I just want to commend that individual. Like, you're not alone in this feeling. But it, until you open up and share that with somebody or say, hey, it, it feels like we're alone. It just right. does. Exactly. What do I love to implore to him is that you're not alone. And if you find the right people to connect with, the right community to belong to, you'll see that you're not alone. And you'll see that there's people out there that want to support you because they probably feel the exact same way that you do. Um, and, And so what I would implore him to consider, you know, and if there's a gentleman listening to this right now, is or you have a man in your life that this sounds like could be a benefit to him. Well, find a men's community you know like i I facilitate a group called mentorship mondays and it's a group of men that come together. We meet on Zoom right now, and we meet every Monday night at 7 o'clock. Now, we oh, have God. a UK a UK group, an East Coast group, and a West Coast group. We also have a, a Southeast Asia group that still meets in person. So we actually have four different time zones, but they're always at 7 p.m., whatever the time zone is. <laughs> right. and, and, and it's just a wonderful way to, to bring men together, to connect with each other openly and honestly and, and, and without any fear of judgment. There's no counseling. There's no coaching. It's simply a place to come together, to connect with one another, share openly what's going on in our lives, and be there to support each other. And recognize this, though. Vulnerability, I truly believe, is a skill. And it's a skill some of us men, we haven't grown up practicing, or we have a very negative connotation attached to that, that skill, if you will. But once you start to embrace it and practice it in a very safe way, right, you'll see that it's something that will open up a lot of doors, doors, quite literally, other opportunities in your life. But more metaphorically speaking, it's going to open up doors and opportunity for connections with people that you may never have even realized. I look at my own family, my own daughters, my wife, my mom.
0: And how are they today?
1: Amazing. Well, I'm dealing. So my daughters now are 16 and 18. They both have their first boyfriends Uh right now. And I got to say, this is this is all over just a matter of the last few months. Both of them have their first serious boyfriends. And I can honestly say I couldn't have imagined more amazing boys, men, oh, men. Yes. Like, I'm just, and I can't help. I'm not saying that it was me. Okay. I'm not saying it was my wife, but I like to think that some of the decisions and the way that we've lived and the way that we've been able to role model our own habits has rubbed off on them. And I I do know there's a connection there because I look at these boys, I'm like, wow, just I'm just amazed, you know, and and I feel really strongly that had I not made some of my own personal shifts on my journey, what started up just over 11 years ago, I I don't know where I'd be today. You know, and 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 so just anybody's listening to this, like just all it takes is just that one little moment of just opening yourself up to a new possibility. That's it. Best place to begin.
0: You know, that is fabulous. Yeah. That is so terrific. Now tell, yeah. please tell us where we can get a hold of, you know, the easiest place to get a hold of you so that people can find out about your coaching, your book, the TEDx talk. Give us your website, please.
1: Sure. Well, it's the advantage of having a unique name. You know, I used to think my parents were kind of crazy giving me this name Dymen. Well, it's like, it sounds kind of weird, you know? <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> dies a Welsh name means okay. AI. Okay. My last name is a Portuguese last name, Manuel, M-A-N-U-E-L. So diamondwell.com. Okay, perfect. I, 1,800 articles and counting on there. I've been blogging for 14 years. And wow. all geared towards helping people get a little bit more out of life and getting a little bit more out of their own heads. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so there's tons of content there, but I, I always like to have conversations with people. So if you want to connect online, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn, I'm most active on it. It's just my name, Diamondwell. You'll find me. Send me a message. Oh, I heard you and Elizabeth talking all about vulnerability. Aww. Here's what I think about vulnerability. Like, that's a great way for us to start a conversation. That's exactly. It. That's I'm all. glad
0: you're having those conversations. I think it's yeah. just fantastic. Well, thank it, you. It's a benefit to all of us when we create space for people mm. to get that support, to be able to maybe leave behind some of the stereotypical ways mm. that we have raised young men and young women to behave and, and to be able to feel a part of things. Absolutely. I think is so incredible. You're Absolutely. teaching new skills, and one of the greatest skills we can all learn in life is knowing when to reach for help. There are always people out there. So thank you for today. I have loved it, and I really appreciate your time.
1: And I'm glad thank your you daughter so is much.
0: Like- <laughs> <laughs> I know I really am. Likewise. I love the start Likewise. of that conversation. You know, just just thinking about ways I have daughters of my own who are now grown, mm-hmm. but. That's a powerful statement. Are you being, you know, are you being the man you'd want your daughters to marry? I think it's beautiful. So I am glad that that helped in the journey so that you could answer affirmatively yes. And big congrats for that. And take good care. Thank you. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week.
1: Proud member of the Podnougan Network.